0: What's up, Bikermer fans? I'm here in Iceland with my friend, Benedict, who is the co-founder, founder of Lauf Cycles. And I feel like we just talked not too long ago. Yeah, it kind of, of
1: feels like it, but isn't it like a year? Oh. Has it
0: been that yeah long? So there it's is a, a fairly recent podcast where we talked yeah. a lot about design and some of their patents and stuff for an upcoming full suspension gravel bike. Yep. And then you brought sometime. us. Yeah. Sometime. <laughs> uh we're gonna talk about that because it's actually pretty fascinating as to why it's taking so long. But uh, in the meantime, you took some of what you had learned, brought us over to, yep. to Iceland to show off another new gravel bike. Yep. Tell me about that one. Like nutshell version. What are we <laughs> gonna talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you were like saying there, this bike we're coming out with now, uh Lauf Sekla, it's it, it's in some ways it's like a byproduct basically of, of like this is what happened in the development process of the rear suspension bike and actually this bike happens to have some of that rear suspension or like some rear suspension not that rear suspension but the rear suspension so that's one of the benefits so like compared to our older gravel bikes this has added like a, a ton of extra tire clearance but still has the same geometry as, as we as we used to have on, on the true grit or still have on the true grit And then it adds rear compliance to to like better match what we already have in the front. So, I mean, we had like this issue of being like smooth in the front, which was nice, but that sort of like made you feel the harshness in the rear all that better. So now we're like balancing things up somewhat.
0: Right. All right. And I'm going to learn right along with the listeners here because my flight was screwed up on the way over. So I came in a day late. I missed the presentation. So we talked a good bit, enough for me to be dangerous while uh, we were riding. But there's definitely some things that I feel like I'm going to learn in this conversation, too. So some of the the key differences that you haven't already mentioned are that with the fork, you added tire clearance on the fork as well. So now yep. you can go up to a 29er by 2.25. Yep. Yep. Which is the equivalent of what, like 700 by 58?
1: Yeah.
0: 57.8. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So big tires, if you want. The fork itself also switches finally to a 12 mil through axle. Yes, right. So correct. if we have good gravel wheels, now we can run those
1: without having to get adapters for the exactly. front. I mean, Yeah, we always liked the 15 by 100, but it was getting like trickier and trickier to stick with that. I mean, it was cool in the beginning because it meant that you could use your like old mountain bike wheels on the bike. I mean, when we started out with the True Grit, but nobody has a 15 by 100 mountain bike wheel anymore. Right. So twelve by hundred was the yeah, only way to go basically here?
0: Yeah. And until of course we go to road boost, twelve by one ten. Yeah, right? <laughs> Was that I mean there's yeah. there's a handful of bikes out there with that. Was that even a consideration for no, you on this one? I
1: Honestly, I wouldn't know why to do that. I mean I, I can't see so, Any reason? More parts, of course. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Aside from that, I mean, obviously we're gonna do it next year. So, yeah. so, so then this bike will get like, out <laughs> sure, we'll <edit>, we'll <laughs>
0: yeah. that out. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like what? Are you still riding a twelve by hundreds? <laughs>
0: yeah. How do you even ride? Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so fork, different axle, but otherwise same geometry, same travel, which is thirty mil yep. total, right? But most yep. of the time we're probably getting like fifteen.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you, you start touching the, the bump stops, like the, the, the bump stops that have like a pretty like rapid ramp up in them. You start touching them in probably like 25 or six mils or so. So you, it's hard to get to a full 30.
0: Yeah. I can't honestly say that ever hit the bump stops. No, that, no. No, we shouldn't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you
0: do that, you're riding maybe you need a um, more travel.
1: Yeah, yeah, or, or a different diet, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, so let's let's work our way back then. So we're going from the fork to the frame. The the head tube gets a little bit more robust,
1: but it's still yeah. pretty short. Yeah, I feel like you guys have always had a very short head tube. Yeah, we I mean that's like the whole like thinking behind both the true grit and now the sigla is that we want to create a, a capable bike, but still it should it should feel fast. So we should be able to get down into an aggressive fit if you want to do that. So we want to like do all the things that make it feel fast, but don't damage like the capability of it basically. And and one of those things is is keeping the stack fairly low. Right. And this bike has more or less exactly the same fit as a true grit. So just to fit the tires, we we obviously had to make the fork a touch longer. So we compensate almost entirely by by shortening the head tube. So like the resulting fit is like three millimeters taller than Hmm. than what we had on the true grit. Okay. So you actually did make the head tube shorter.
0: Yeah, a touch. Yeah. But but it's chunkier. It's steeper. Yeah. It it blends into the crown of the fork better, I think, visually. Yeah, yeah so I think so too, yeah. were you able to make the crown of the fork any thinner then to take yes. some of that off, or yeah, offset, so some of that like, height gain there?
1: Exactly. So we, we do, did like everything we could basically to to maintain what we had in true grit that still fit wider tires. And that meant like slim the crown a little bit, shortening the head tube a little bit, and then lengthening the fork a little bit as well. So all these things together uh, make for the tire clearance for like, yeah, 58 millimeter tire basically.
0: Right on. All right. So, all that, let's start moving back because the, the bike, it looks like a lap. Like you can kind of tell, but yeah. definitely the aesthetics get quite a bit different as you move back. The top tube gets a lot flatter. Yep. And there's a functional reason for that, too. So, it, when it hits the seat tube, instead of then going straight into the chain stays with a, a pretty broad, I don't know what you called it, but like a yoke on the old. Seat stays, sorry, yeah, not the like top seat of stays. the
1: top of the seat stays where it meets the uh,
0: yeah seat yeah. tube. Yeah, so now the seat stays are dropped a good, well, I guess it's size dependent, but
1: like on the on the medium we were on here, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's dropped three inches quite below. A, quite a, can't remember, but probably a bit more. I right. kind of think, yeah. And it, and it's yeah, like you're saying. I mean, it's done for a reason. So this is done to get rear compliance into the bike, and then also what is gonna like strike you when you see one first is that the C tube angle is different. So uh, yeah. It isn't different. It looks different. Well, it isn't. So the thing is, we've offset it forward uh, a little bit. So now, if you like draw a straight line from the seat post, it, it doesn't go into the center of the bottom bracket anymore. So it wouldn't be UCI legal, actually. Oh, really? Uh, that's which, yeah, a rule. Uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a rule. So, yeah, Jeez. but obviously, I mean, that doesn't matter for us. Obviously, it's not a UCI bike until they take over gravel. Yeah, until <laughs> they do that. <laughs> uh, so we, yeah, uh, so we offset it. Uh, but then to counter that, we tilt it back. So you end up more or less in the same spot. So on the medium, you end basically in in yeah exactly the same spot. But what we get out of it is is you want more tire clearance because you push the seat tube out of the way. But also, I mean, having it tilted more back to be exact to 69.9 degrees rather than 72.5, means that like the compliance you get of the saddle is like oriented more downwards than what it used to be. Hmm. So it used to be like more backwards. So it's like a thing with, with seat post flex. You always get like a certain amount of like of, let's say, funk with your like comfort added, and the funk being like the rearward action, and you can't have too much of that with your downward funk. It gets funky. Yeah, (laughs) that's the
0: technical (laughs) term. it's a a very technical. Yeah, it's an (laughs) (laughs) engineer term. (laughs) Phunk.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So like the reach to the handlebar would get all weird and all that. Essentially, what this whole arrangement does is that when you put like weight on the saddle, if you get yeah weight onto the rear tire that force is like channeled through the seat stay into like a, a almost like a central portion of the seat tube which in terms like bends the seat tube slightly and having a flat rear part of the top tube means that the, the junction basically of the top tube and the seat tube becomes like a like a pivot basically like you see on a track isospeed basically right that becomes like a virtual pivot there and and really works you can see it on the bike when it goes on the saddle so this force, yeah, bend bend the seat stay force bends the seat tube a little bit, and then the whole like seat seat post and saddle like tilts backwards a little bit. But if you do much of this, the bike would get like weird to ride. But you should do some of it because it really gets you comfort. But you should, you should do it like up to the point before it gets weird. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I imagine you don't want it to feel like a pogo stick.
1: Yeah, on there. But that's interesting.
0: I I hadn't actually thought about how angling the seat tube like that would actually encourage a little bit more flex but in the right direction yeah cool and then um and so for the people who haven't seen the bike just to envision that what he means by that is that the seat tube meets the down tube just the hair in front of the bottom bracket so it's not going straight centered into the bottom bracket speaking of bottom bracket you guys stuck with a
1: normal bsa but pushed it out of the 73 mil wide shell right so it's what you we would get on a mountain bike basically it didn't mean that we went for mounted by cranks because we want to retain like the rolled feel of the, of the paneling on it. So so it still has rolled cranks, but only like with a five millimeters longer axle. Right. It's like
0: and, a, and only SRAM. And that's because SRAM was the only ones making a normal, I guess, GXP for them, but for practical purposes, a 24 millimeter. It's, a, it's a dub. It's a dub. Oh, it, it is a, yeah. dub. It's oh, a dub. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It looked really small.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a dub. So they actually, so this is something, I don't know if they've released it yet, but it's like basically on our first batch of of the Seikla, we'll probably have the first batch of their wide axle force and red. And I don't know if they made them specifically for us, but, but it was definitely a help, I think, in their decision making to like, yeah, introduce that skew basically in their system. Nice. Because it didn't make them. And we, we asked them for these cranks for this bike. Uh, and obviously it was like a, it was like a win-win probably situation because like we, would love to have these cranks because they really make the bike and, and it fits perfectly what we're going for here. But for them, it also means that we are going to be compatible pretty much with SRAM only or with like a Shimano GRX, you would need to use a third-party crank from say an Eastern or, or, or something.
0: Right. All yeah. right. Okay. So if somebody did want to switch, like say to an Eastern crank set. Yeah. They because Easton's is pretty modular, you can add any spindle to any crank because it exactly. interchanges with their race face stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but you would so what is the bottom bracket? The bottom bracket is threaded BSA, so you would just yes. have to get a 30 mil spindle compatible
1: threaded BSA yeah. bottom bracket, correct, correct? So you're getting correct, some correct.
0: pretty tiny bearings if you're trying to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you do that one, but, that yeah. Point. But then the dub is like optimized for this stuff. So the dub is pretty much the bearing size is optimized for BSA uh, and like an, and almost a 30 millimeter spindle, which is yeah. right. like literally like point something millimeters. Apart. Yeah. yeah. So, so
0: like, Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Let's see. What else do we want to talk about here? So the
1: bike, what's the frame weight? It's adding 20 grams from uh, the true Grit. Which means like uh, unpainted, uh, the medium frame is like thousand and thirty grams. Okay. And painted like uh, yeah, uh, the, the black color we have, uh, obsidian black, we call it. It's uh, eleven sixty with some accessories with like a chainstay protector and stuff. Uh, so it's it's very light, but but we we are not trying to go for like the the crazy light stuff. Right. So so we are like sticking to standard modulus fibers everywhere. So there are no like crispy fibers being used here. It's supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be robust. I mean, you're supposed to a gravel bike shouldn't break when you look at it. I mean, it's <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, they need to be robust. It, I mean, it's it's not a it's a demanding sport at times.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about the fibers for a minute because I heard you talking to some other folks about the difference between standard modulus and high modulus, and my two second takeaway was that high mod is going to be lighter and stiffer, but Maybe that makes it the wrong application for a bike where there's intentional flex built into it. Yeah. But what I I think was most interesting for me was when you're talking about how some brands will use high modulus to help it pass the required safety tests. Yeah. Because when you're putting on a pr- frame on a a rig that's meant to you know run it through however many thousands or tens of thousands of cycles to test for flex, and then if it does crack, how do they propagate is that um, high mod fibers might crack
1: more easily, but they won't propagate. Exactly. Because they're like, they essentially, I mean, the thing is like high modulus fibers and standard fibers, they are like completely different animals. So high modulus carbon fiber, it has like one fourth of the flex of, of standard modulus fibers, which means that if you use this like, yeah, crispier, I mean, it is crispier. <laughs> That's <what laughs> crispy, is. Crunchy. Yeah, crispy <laughs> and crunchy material. <laughs> I mean, if you use it in the bottom bracket, you can, you can get by with a lot less of it when you're doing like, for example, there's a fatigue test that like pushes on like, uh, like, like a paddle, like things. Yeah. Like fixed cranks. Yeah. Yeah. Fixed cranks, basically. That's a fairly tricky like fatigue test to get through, but like the load isn't like super high, but just like that load being repeated over and over and over again. Uh, if you have something that, that can be flexed a little bit, like it's easier for cracks to like propagate. I mean, and, and, and for paint to eventually crack. But if you have like a, so if you, if you make a bottom bracket shell with standard modulus vipers, you are forced to add a bit of more material to stiffen it up enough to get through the ISO test. And that also in turn makes it very, very strong because, yeah, you have more material and you need to lock it, yeah, properly. Yeah with these more flexible fibers. But if you do... Because it with, if it does crack, the standard modulus, the crack
0: will propagate faster.
1: Yeah, right and, and you basically need to yeah, limit the movement to stop the crack propagation. But when you have done that, you end up with something that is really strong. But with the crispier, high modulus fibers... <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, <laughs> funny thermal. because it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh, with, with, with the high modulus fibers, you can get by with much less to, to make it like stiff enough. But then it's actually, it 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 isn't that strong. Okay.
0: And I think that test has always been funny to me because like, I get it. Like you can sometimes actually see the bottom bracket flex, but nothing like in the test because in those tests, the fork in the rear axle areas, you know, rear dropouts are like literally locked into place too. Yeah. So you're not, when you're on the bike moving, the whole bike's moving with, yeah, you. It moves with you. Yeah, with you. It's not a, yeah. I don't think it's a good real world test, but I guess it's.
1: Something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, there are other, I mean, uh, then like other difficult tests to get through. M- many of them like emphasize uh, strength of the, like the top and the bottom section of the down tube. When you have like a big load coming from the front, like the top and, and bottom section of the down tube are being like stressed quite a lot. But the sides aren't stressed that much. Uh, they're more or less there to like connect the top to the bottom, uh, like a like web basically, con- yeah, connecting them two together. So with what happens if you're designing something to become like crazy light, but still get through these tests, you're gonna like shave off a lot of material off the sides, and what happens then is that the bike becomes like flexible laterally, mm-hmm. like on, on the pedaling, uh, and then to like fix that, you you replace some of those fibers then with high modulus fibers, like on the sides of the down tubes, and then you end up with a bike that is yeah, it's crazy light and it goes through the ISO tests, but if something hits the side of the down tube, you're pretty screwed mm-hmm. because you have Very little material, and it's very crispy. So, (laughs) Right on.
0: So the first day, we rode two days here on pretty much soaking wet gravel. And um, the first day I rode with some 225 mountain bike tires on it. Yep, And it definitely handled differently. A lot of bite, as you would imagine, from tires like that. But when you turn, it really wanted to turn in. And, you know, it just kind of plowed along through everything. And then on the second day, I switched to, you and I actually swapped wheels. And I was running 700 by 50s, you know, lower tread pattern as well. But still, like 50s are pretty big for gravel tires. But man, it was like literally like riding a different bike. Yeah, it is. And it's almost like going from a fat bike to a mountain bike. Yeah,
1: it feels like that. And what's,
0: like, why is that? Because the tires, I mean, you know. They weren't that much bigger,
1: but it just, I mean, at that point, I mean, it's always like to the power of two, basically with the width. I mean, just like when you get to like 58 millimeters, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just so much bigger. And then plus, I mean, as you said, the thread on it was slightly coarser as well. So, I mean, these things add up and eventually, yeah, it, it it it's a different bike. So, I mean, so that was like the whole thinking here. I mean, to make something where we like, we weren't compromising, like for the smaller tires, we weren't like adding a flip chip or something that adds unnecessary weight, whatever position you are in. So something that is just like clean and as it should be with a 40 tire or 45 tire or for, or 50 tire for that matter. But then you're also able to like turn it into this, like a, a monster gravel bike for some crazy events that, that need that. Yeah.
0: And there were some bikes out there with 40s and 42s and they looked perfectly normal too. Yeah. So it's not like it looked out of place with the faster, skinnier tires as well. And I think you guys even have one in the office with road tires on it. I think I saw it, but I could imagine yeah. one with road <laughs> tires and uh, it would still look fine. So it could kind of be like throw a regular fork on it and you could use it for a road bike. Yeah, I
1: mean, well. you could. I mean, it would never like be, honestly, it would never be the best road bike in the world, but it would be a completely Perfect. fine one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean.
0: Yeah, unless you were like, look, yeah, for most
1: people. Yeah, definitely, definitely, for sure. probably yeah. very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. With the rigid fork coming I mean, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: yeah. looked at me funny. Like maybe there's a rigid fork version coming, but yeah. we'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, stop talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So, but for those who want to run really big tires, the one I think, in my opinion, uh, glaring omission is full on dropper compatibility and. The yeah. team likes to joke this because you don't like droppers. <laughs> <laughs> there's Drum a lot on, of yeah. people that do like droppers. So, like, why Why did you make the decision to not add proper? Because you could always run this access, and since you're specking only SRAM, it's not a stretch. And even the first three builds that come out will all be SRAM access wireless, yep, yeah, from rival yep, to sure. force to red. Yep. So, it's not hard, but it's just expensive to
1: add a reverb. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, we were going back and forth with this, and and I know, I I mean, it's like the the latest hype to add droppers uh, onto gravel bikes, or yeah, or road bikes for that matter now. Yeah, the, right, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you want to win races. Yeah,
1: yeah, but like, yeah, we aren't that much into them, like you said, so, and it's not just me. I mean, it's like, yeah, the guys at the office, uh, Hafi, who's so our, like, main, is like, uh, yeah, the, probably the racing legend of Iceland, been running yeah, everything, mountain bikes, rail bikes, road, everything. And we honestly, we don't see the point for 99% of gravel riding. We think it's mostly being used by people that shouldn't have one, honestly. We <laughs> 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 we think it's a gimmick for most people. We think it's just like one more function to having your bike. And, and we, and this, it's just not us. We, I mean, love is all about like doing things in a simple way and not adding excess stuff. But then again, I, I mean, as you say, I mean, some people ride in like way different conditions than what we do. We were struggling a little bit with this one. I mean, we did absolutely not want to add like any routing for it that would like look messy when not used or or like that would add any weight or something. Uh, so we were not going to do that, but we we're like considering some simple ways of doing it. But then we had a talk with SRAM and they like told us about the seed post they had coming up, the wireless one. It was like, boom, it's decided. Yeah, you can run a wireless one. Right. We know it costs quite a lot, but it's a nice one Yeah, uh, and you can get it. And then there's also like a hack you can do. I mean, it, it's not, I mean, <laughs> I'll admit it's not very elegant. I mean, the end result is elegant. It, it, it's clean and nice, but it requires a drill. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> does that avoid the warranty? <laughs> no, it doesn't. So it's not structural. So um, because I mean, almost all of our bikes are sold wireless now. So there is like a tunnel for a rear derailleur. So that tunnel, you can, like, easily drill that with a small, like, a drill, which just, like, pierces through the inside wall of that tunnel. And then you can take your dropper routing, like, through that hole and into the frame. Go on, Like, where do you access that tunnel? Like, through the bottom bracket? So, uh, the hat oh. tube, yeah. Yeah, and then, then it just, like, goes down, down tube and you access it. You can, like, push it through from the bottom bracket. Okay. Yeah, and then, yeah, just route it up to the seapoint. So
0: there's no, there's no interior walls around the bottom bracket or anything blocking you from doing it. So no, once you no. get... The cable going in at yeah, the, yeah. somewhere up front yeah and that's that's together. a
1: new yeah that's a new like modification uh, on the new bike so we changed the bottom bracket to, like construction it's still bsa as it was but it used to be we had like sleeves that were like bonded in afterwards and then yeah machined and all that but now we cure in place like aluminum like blocks basically that are then machined afterwards so it's like one block on the left side one on the right side and it's open in the middle yeah open in the middle right. uh, and this just goes between layers of the carbon uh, samples at first to get like maximize the grip, and then just machined afterwards which means that the bottom bracket is like completely like open internally so it's easier to access cool yeah, i mean yeah if you like, want to hack like di2 something into it or whatever it's going to be easier now all right nice i can see your lawyers
0: listening to this yeah. thinking oh my god <laughs> don't ever say that again <laughs> drilling holes uh but there's i mean there's a cable port at the top for the rear brake has. Is there not quite enough room to just have another hole in there, or is that you drill the hole into that and then feed a dropper hose to? I mean, another hole where with, the where the cable port is for the or the brake hose port where it goes into the head
1: tube. Yeah, and next to that is the port for the regulator. Right. So we'd recommend like using that when you're running wireless because yeah, most yeah okay. Are- so it's
0: not that big of a modification, no, no. No, right? no, no, unless totally yeah. unless down the road you guys offer one with a mechanical drivetrain then
1: yeah then it becomes trickier yeah yeah. that's true yes
0: then you go wireless
1: on the dropper yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) right on um so you guys have four colors of this the blue is absolutely gorgeous a pink that's a little bit on the purple side yeah white and a black yep when do they start shipping
1: so 11th of april they are out and shipping yeah Right after that, basically, some yeah, not all sizes are available at start, but, but they'll yeah, come in a few weeks later.
0: So how are you doing this? Because there's so many brands struggling to find parts to get drivetrain or, you know, just like one piece of a drivetrain or like a chain or something. And yet you guys are launching a new bike and you're going to have multiple models out of the gate. What's, what was your secret? Just plan ahead. well you mentioned that you you know sram said hey we have a wireless dropper coming and that's been out now for a while so clearly you've been working on this for a while and i guess the development was part of the full suspension which you've also been working on for a while yeah and are still working on but i think you said like it's literally like three years off at this point
1: yeah uh, that's my best guess three years for the rear suspension yeah just for testing yeah it's crazy i mean it, it just like it builds up so fast the timeline so even though we have something that is very much writable now, we need to make one more iteration of it to tweak some details. And that will take probably nine months or so to get that ready. And then we need to like test that properly for several months. And then chances are we're going to need to make another iteration <laughs> and then test that. And these because
0: iterations are full carbon molds. Like
1: at yeah, this point, you're exactly. gonna... It's like It's like making a new bike every time, design a new bike every time it's a little tricky because I mean, obviously, it's something that hasn't been done before. So we cannot just like, copy and paste things. So we need to like figure a lot of stuff out and make sure it like holds uh, properly. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right on. Alright, well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And I appreciate thank the you. trip out to Iceland to ride with you guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. The pleasure was ours. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this interview and you want more great chats with the people behind the brands and products that we ride every day, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a second, leave us a rating and review. That helps us reach more riders around the world and continue to attract top guests. For a list of all of our episodes or to suggest a guest for a future episode, head over to Bikerumor.com slash podcast. In the meantime, you can catch all the latest news on bikeroomer.com or follow us on social. We are at bikeroomer on all the things. Until next time, stay safe out there and keep the rubber side down.